Hello, welcome to episode 14 of Virtually Relevant. I'm Eric. I'm Josh. This is Kevin. I'm Ted. Hey, I'm William. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about the latest VR news. Probably the the biggest highlight since the, the last episode is the official announcement of the HP Reverb G2, which is a, a partnership, a, a collaboration between Microsoft and Valve, which has got some really interesting possibilities. We talked with um, <clears throat> Chris Madsen last episode about some of the leaks that came out, and quite a lot of them turned out to be pretty spot on. So let's uh, let's talk that through. Uh, Josh, what do you know about it? The the reverb <laughs> it put me on the spot, Eric. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's going to be the same resolution as the G one, the yeah. first the first gen reverb, but better clarity. Yeah, uh, I think I think they were saying improvements to the both the, the screen tech and the optics. Uh, right. The, the original the G one had issues with Mura, right? Yeah, I think there was a screen issue to begin yeah. with. The, the, it was. Um, that was made it kind of hard to get your hands on initially because they were having some real bad issues with the screens that they had originally launched with. That's that's what I had always heard that, you know, basically we we never saw one because they had actual manufacturing problems with the screens. Right. Yeah. I wanna say uh at the where we did the social, the zero latency. Were they using reverbs? Is that, yes, they that were. Yeah. Right? Those are the yeah. only times I have ever yeah, seen I was say, a, a, a HP reverb out in the wild yeah. was, was there. So. Yeah, considering that on the actual G2 website, it says the first one of the first things it says about it is immerse yourself in ultra sharp visuals with Mura free. <laughs> Go ahead and leave LCD with the, panels. the question you know everyone's gonna have. It's like there was an old joke uh, I had with a friend of mine that you know for a while everybody wanted to put BPA free on like everything, right? And so we had this joke of like you just have a bag of chips that says BPA free, like <laughs> steak, and it says BPA free. So they're just like, hey, you know that thing we had a problem with? Not a problem anymore. It's Mura free. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty much the i mean other than some of the boutique uh high-end things like vario uh i think it's probably the well okay you get some of the picos and so on um not pico um pimax but it's mm-hmm. uh what 2160 by 2160 so it's, it's a very very high-res screen which means you're gonna need some decent hardware pushing it but it should be very yeah. sharp yeah. Um, so the other thing was the speakers right there they kind of not stole, but they uh, they they borrowed. They yeah, borrowed with permission. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a collaboration. It so. is, and I mean they. I know when um, Ben from Road to VR was was testing them, he was saying uh, that they looked identical, but they didn't sound quite as good. The bass wasn't quite as good, mm-hmm. and they said, "Yeah, that's all software. It's identical hardware, and when we're done, it's going to sound exactly the same as the the index well, that's speakers. Good. That's great. I want everyone to steal the index speakers. I love them. Did we get a rumor on <clears throat> price point? 600 uh, before 600 is the, is the estimated price yeah well i mean that's that's what uh it's actually more expensive than the than the index but i guess yeah just but with the index you need only. the the base stations and the yeah. hand trackers separately that's that's more expensive than True. just the headset but it comes yeah. with the hand trackers and you don't need base stations so right right okay that makes sense right so if you do the whole package it's 600 versus a thousand right yeah but um but yeah, I, I think that's a more accessible price point. And frankly, for a lot of people, even though yes, the the the, the Valve base stations are the state of the art for 
sub-millimeter accurate tracking. Right. Just the hassle of having to set up base stations, especially if you're setting up in more than one location, mm-hmm. uh, I think this this is going to be very appealing. Yeah, okay. I'll say yeah. that since since getting the, the Rift S, like, I have not hardly touched the original Rift just yeah. because it's so much easier to just grab that Rift S, pull it out of the, you know, pull out of, pull it out of the case, uh, you know, plug it, plug the two cables in and you're, you're off to the races. That's, it's yeah. so far <clears throat> removed from what we were dealing with back in 2016 when the original Rift came out and, you know, we had to drag these stands out with oh, the cameras geez, and, and everything. It's, now it's just plug it in and go. So. Yeah, it's it's kind of similar to me since I've gotten the quest. I've kind of switched completely over to the inside out tracking. Yeah. I've even when I'm uh, working on a computer, you know, in a stationary position where I had the rift sensors already set up and they didn't move. It's just so much easier to get in and out of the quest. Um, for mm-hmm. me, it's because of the glass space, but yes, it's just gotcha. it's just a lot convenient to to have that be my my main drive daily driver. I hear you. Even though we've got desktop, you know, headsets, I'm I'm. My quest is doing double duty for a lot of things for a lot of reasons. Uh, Even though Windows MR headsets were ahead of the curve on the inside-out position tracking, um, they only have the two front-facing cameras, which meant the positional tracking was a little bit iffy, and the the tracked volume for the hand trackers was significantly smaller than it was for a lot of the other headsets. So they kicked it over to four cameras now with two one on each side. Uh, so you get the two forward-facing traditional ones and then the two on the side as opposed to, say, the quests ones that are angled out at the corners. What are people uh, thinking about that arrangement? I think that'll be a, what ends up being, um, you know, just best in practice. I think that the technology for lenses and uh, wide focal uh, points and things like that will allow people to do some interesting camera uh, placement and I think it also is dictated largely by internal uh, electronic you know, where where everything's situated right yeah um, I, I do find it interesting that HP claims that the tracking area is infinite that because seem um, bold <laughs> I, I, I I surmise that someone somewhere is like challenge accepted right. <laughs> I mean to be fair the the quest is technically I mean, yeah. We like we talked oh, about. Oh sure. Where, yeah. Know, Penrose Studios <clears throat> did the uh, you know walk to what was it walk to Pluto or walk to Jupiter or something. Jupiter. Like that. So, yeah. So I mean, like in theory, yes, but let's remember that this is a tethered, a tethered headset. headset. <laughs> right. No, I mean you'd have to pair it with a you know a laptop and a backpack computer. or something. Yeah. Or backpack. Right. PC. Which I mean the <clears throat> the the original reverb setup they had at. Uh, yeah, at it's zero latency, that. you know, worked fine for that. So, yeah. I mean, I'd be really curious once once this is out, if we can get our hands on one, I'd love to do a um, a head to head comparison between, say, the Rift S tracking, where it's got the five cameras, you know, at the four at yeah. the angles and one at the top, versus this, seeing whether you know where it can track your hands better on one than the other, which is better right. at positional tracking in a, a space. Right, because it's it's an interesting choice. There's there's definitely some pros to having two of the the cameras front facing as far as doing like mm-hmm. pass through and so on. But um, anyway, the the off ear speakers are great. Uh, the the higher clarity, the twenty one sixty by twenty one sixty screens should be amazing. 
Uh, the other big complaint with the WMR headsets is the hand trackers were terrible. I mean, they were just absolutely yeah. awful. Uh, and it sounds like they've made some significant strides with these. Um, Road to VR was not able to test with the new hand trackers, so I guess it's to be determined. I don't think anyone outside of the company has gotten to play with them yet. Um, on the positive side, they've gone to a joystick instead of the the glide pad. Um, yeah. They've gone to a more of a, a touch style design with the ring and the holster. Um, no capacitative touch, which is a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. They are still rocking two double A's per controller instead of one, which means Oof. it is going to be heavier. But oh, wow. um, at the very least, they are aware that the old trackers were not great and right. are, are taking a second cut at it. So I am uh, I'm ready to be very open-minded and give them a shot. As long as they take the Cosmos controllers and do the exact opposite, I think we'll be all right. I think that would be a good starting point to yeah. walk away from. All right. Yeah, and they, it looks like they do have their own um, backpack PCs ready, ready to go. Sweet. Yeah, HP has been yeah. one of the one of the um, the Omen. I think they have an Omen X or no, yep. not Omen X. It's an Omen, it Omen, Omen backpack. I forget what. Yeah, the... it's an Omen backpack. It's their that's their gaming brand, sort of like Dell's Alienware or you know, uh, some Asus of the others. Asus Rog. Yeah, the Asus Rog, yeah. Republic of Gamers. You know, things and like three that. and a half grand, rocking a, a twenty eighty. <laughs> There you go. They're pretty cool. I, I like yeah. them plenty, just not enough to drop the cash on them. But yeah, I'd love to borrow use, one but... and take it out to a football field and then just there go nuts go. with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, other news: the you know Cat VR uh, started another Kickstarter. I don't know if you guys remember, but they they ran a Kickstarter for I believe they called it the the Catwalk Mini, and then pulled it, it part way through because they got outside funding. They're back with a Catwalk C, which is a uh, targeted at the home market. Uh, we don't know all the details. We know that their lowest tier early bird pricing is around 700 and they're aiming for a late June campaign launch. Um, this, this falls into the same category of like the, the low friction bowl based um, right. locomotion solutions, a bit like the Virtuix Omni. It's just sort of a variation on that design. It's got kind of an interesting back brace, rotating back brace, which is an alternative to the the ring that goes around the Virtuix Omni. Right. Uh, Think of it more like the Ready Player One Sixer setup, where they step in, yes. strap on to the like the backpack, and then and then you know they had their their space there. It's, it's a little more like that than you know sort of stepping into this guided platform, you know, on the Omni or the Infinitec. I have not gotten to try the catwalk um josh have you i had had a brief interaction with it um my my other business partner spent a little bit more time with it they uh the the anecdotes you know it's it's a solution to locomotion i think we we talked a little bit in the past about the different options if you anybody's more interested check one of our previous uh, uh uh podcast recordings but it the the attachment point following you behind you tends to um give interesting critical failures if that makes sense when you're moving and if you slip and fall or something like that so i'd be interested to see how the catwalk c differs from the the previous models right i mean on the one hand they've got another chance at refinement on the other it's miniaturized and i presume lower weight which uh may mean some lower stability but 
I definitely want to try it, but I, I have not found a locomotion solution that feels like a silver bullet to me at any price point. So, I mean, right. they're all going to be a matter of compromises. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the, the low friction ones, but I haven't found one that I am a huge fan of. So I, I guess I'm still waiting on that front. But in the interim, for, for niche uses like uh, arcades and uh, training there's there's definitely a place for them so. yeah i mean the 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 thing is the bigger locomotion solutions the track the track pads the the omnidirectional treadmills the the cat vrs you know they are fun to use and in my experience and and the anecdotes i've heard fun to use not so fun to own um it's great yeah. to go and and do it um, whether, like you said, at an arcade or at a standalone kind of place, or if it's a part of an experience, that's one thing, but you know, the real estate in your house and everything like that, it's just, it's just yeah. a, it's a hard sell right as, now. So. As someone who, who had a Virtuix Omni sitting in his living room for <clears throat> quite a, a long time, um, it's, it's a really hard sell to dedicate that much floor space to a locomotion solution. So it, it better be a home run if, if you're going to do it. Yeah, because it looks pretty small on the, the website, but it looks does like look the small. actual footprint is seven and a half square feet. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, pretty significant for, you know, like a living room. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, the with like the Omni, cause you had the, like the additional space for the non-slip area when you're stepping off to put the shoes on. And on. I mean, it, the, the overall footprint ends up being significant because you also want some space around it for your arms to, to swing around. Uh, yeah. it, it kind of has to be in the setup. middle of the floor a bit. Yeah, and your computer set up and so, so on. It's... So for the end user, like just the general consumer, I'd say if you're the type of person that has room in their house for a home gym and you're going to replace one of the things there or you're looking to create a home gym and you know reconcile the idea that this is a very physical, very active experience, another reason why it's people tend to more enjoy it as an experience rather than owning um, the you, you you're probably fit the demographic, but most right. people are not going to have a VR room, let alone a VR room with additional space just right. for a, uh, a stand up locomotion device. Yeah. This could the, definitely stand in for a treadmill or an elliptical. Yeah, yeah definitely well, for the, activity. that makes sense. And I think cause people drop that kind of cash on a piece of exercise equipment and will dedicate floor space to a piece of exercise equipment. So I think if you're of a mindset to use it that way, that's, that's great. Uh, my, my experience in the past and this may change is software written directly for them tends to work pretty well. If you try to use sort of an emulation layer to use it with existing software, the results tend to be less satisfying. Yeah. So you're, <laughs> your world of, of possible uses may be narrow, but maybe not. Maybe they've gotten uh, the emulation to the point where it's completely acceptable. We'll keep our fingers crossed. As always, would love to try it. That goes with the entire VR industry, right? If you're looking yeah. to get hardware of any kind, whether it's gloves or, or locomotion or what, what have you, look at the software that exists out there and see if that platform supports what you're trying to do. Because right. th there is there's a variety in the market, and there is opportunity for, um, you know, you to come out ahead, or for you to end up wanting to move to a different platform quickly. Right, it's true. Yeah. Other new hardware. So, yeah, uh, I was gonna say. So, Eric, uh, yeah. you want to tell us about your your new hardware, your new addition sure. to the VR family? Uh, 
latest uh, latest headset to hit my desk is the Pico Neo 2i, which is quite the mouthful to say. Uh, right. Pico produces a lot of headsets in China. That's their their primary market. The the Goblin series was a, a three DOF headset there that did extremely well. Uh, the the Neo 2 is their six DOF headset. It's a competitor to the Quest. Right. Uh, and the Neo 2i is just an upgraded version that has uh, eye tracking from Toby. How are you liking the eye tracking? Have you getting, gotten to test it much? A little bit. I, I've gotten to test it a little bit. Um, you, In order to get best results, you do have to go through a calibration step each mm-hmm. time you put it on. Of course. Um, oh. It doesn't take a long time. It probably takes maybe 15 seconds. But you do have to go do it uh, to get the best results. Um, yeah, from memory, the the Toby's Toby's uh, tracking you had to put in. It was it was like a three or four second thing. It was just like follow the dot with your eye, right. And click the button kind of thing. Yeah, but at least in this, you got to launch a separate app, and oh. it pops up the the dots. You you look at four different dots, and then it dumps you back to the home menu, and then you can jump into whatever you want, and it's it stores the eye tracking profile. Oh. Uh, it's possible you can integrate the that calibration step into your software i haven't dug into the sdk enough to know uh you may be able to do that from within your own software well when you put the headset on each time your your eyes are going to be in a slightly different position so you do have you said you have to do it every single time yeah so i wonder why that's not just integrated into the um you know into the the opening sort of when you put the headset on, go ahead and do this. They, they certainly could. I mean, they could do step. a firmware update or yeah. OS update to, to do it. Seems seems strange to have it as a separate app. As, it was as a little touchy kind of about me. getting the, the headset in the exact right position. I kept having to shift it a little lower in front of my eyes uh, than okay. I expected to get it to mm-hmm. calibrate. But hmm. uh, And I'll, that's without I'll, glasses, right? That is without glasses. I have not tried it with glasses. Hmm. Um, I will do that. And report back. Yeah, uh, it definitely had wider eye relief and kind of a squishier interface, so it seemed like glasses would fit better than they do on the Quest nice. by a fair bit. the The notable things about the Pico, and this here's the thing: Pico has a robust store in China. They do not have a store of right. any note in the U.S. I mean, there's I think four titles in their store um, because all their software is written in Chinese. And Mm -hmm. they're not really looking to compete in the consumer market in the U.S. for any number of reasons. Right. Uh, So they're targeting enterprise use for things like training or uh, media consumption at, you know, uh, at booths and things. And and for those purposes, it's definitely an interesting solution. It's got some pros over the Quest. Um, It has a a significantly higher resolution screen. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's running a, a... about two generations more recent of a, uh, a processor of a Snapdragon. Uh, okay. It's got <clears throat> the hand trackers use magnetic tracking, so there's no occlusion issues and there's no uh, field of view issues. I, mean, I can stick it behind my legs or behind my back and it still tracks. And the neat thing is, since I can't see my body, I can see it tracking behind things. Right, so, right. Um, the battery is in the back strap. So mm-hmm. it counterbalances kind of like when you throw a VR power on the back of a Quest, and it's got a, a hard bracket as opposed to the the soft bracket on the Quest. Yeah, people people were uh, saying that that would that could be a, a good uh, option for the Quest. Yeah, well, it was interesting because the early prototypes of the Quest had uh, a good chunk of the hardware in the back, 
And so I was a little surprised when they shipped it that they put it all in the front. Because uh, that makes it front heavy. But Yeah, the original Santa Cruz prototype, I think mm-hmm. is what it was, was looked like almost like a Raspberry Pi sitting in the yes. back of uh, Yeah, that's, that's what I was about to say. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure why. they Maybe they just aesthetically wanted it to look a little bit my, different. My but personal guess is manufacturing complexity. Right. Um, plus ribbon cables. Ribbon cables yeah. tend to break, and they've, they've gotten bit by that on the, the rift. So True. At least Definitely. for the audio, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely for the audio. You yeah, could just see. make it replaceable, like yeah, easily replaceable. Hint, hint. Cough, cough. Well, nudge, nudge. <clears throat> well, Josh, we've had we've we've had this statement before that uh, you know the the Oculus is sort of the Apple of the of the VR world, and when's the last time Apple made anything that's replaceable <laughs> on their hardware? So, right. just saying. <laughs> It's replaceable. I just go to the Apple Store and yeah, I buy a new one. Yeah, it's replaceable. Buy a new <laughs> <Right>. one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Your your F key seems to have fallen out. You're going to need a new three thousand dollar laptop. Right. I'll report back as I as I have more time with the the Pico. But early impressions are that it's it's more comfortable. Uh, right. The screen is definitely sharper. The sound is definitely better. Um, position tracking seems pretty solid i think not quite as good as the quest hand tracking is pretty good uh and has no occlusion issues but the hand trackers look terrible they're they're (laughs) heavy they're ugly um they don't have replaceable batteries you have to charge them kind of like vive wands um and there's no uh no hand tracking as far as like raw hand tracking and it seems unlikely given the they've only got the two front facing cameras that they'll do okay. it so and, and speaking, speaking of, of the quest <laughs> <laughs> go ahead Ted. um yeah speaking of oculus you know and having their own app store i heard the neo has its own app store as well have you heard uh, much about like the side side loading options for them or how easy it is it's not hard to side load stuff the the U.S. based store that they have in it at the moment has, I think, four titles, and it. it has like Bait and O Space, uh, and O Shape. O Shape, sorry, O Shape. Um, so the store is lacking, but yes. you could you yeah. could in theory sideload, uh, you know, pretty much anything you want. Now, so it's Android based. It is yes. Android based. You could not sideload like Quest software. It has to be compiled specifically. That was going to be it. my question. But it will run uh, the Goblin family okay. apps. I, I have a couple of three DOF apps in Chinese <laughs> that I can run on it, uh, and they run fine. But it seems and like yeah, a waste of the hardware. And I've seen they do have the SDK already on their yes. on their site for the for Unity. So yeah, yes. it, it, it yeah. does look relatively easy to to build for it or to convert your build for it yeah that's what i was gonna say is hopefully it's a fairly simple process for developers especially those on SideQuest, to be able to just recompile and, and publish for that platform that would be a real big uh help for them price point eric what's the uh what's the price point on the neo 2 let's see uh the the neo 2 without the eye tracking i believe is 700 and with the eye tracking it's 900 Okay. Yep. So it's, but again, they're 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 targeting enterprise. They so are. It's not necessarily I mean, a. Problem. They're not selling software that they can take a cut of. To, exactly. So it's it's enterprise. So that makes sense. 
And the, then also the the Pico has a uh, card slot and a, a memory does, expansion yes. slot, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Okay. Interesting. And and if I, I if I remember right, when I asked um, at the uh, conference we were at, I think it can go up to uh, 256 gigabyte expansion. That's pretty nice. It's it's just definitely of- more open in the sense you don't have to throw it into developer mode to sideload stuff onto it. You're allowed to resell it. Uh, you're yeah. allowed to rebrand it. In fact, if you order enough of them, they'll put your branding oh, yeah. on it. Or yeah, they'll, we'll they'll, load they'll, your they'll software silk on screen it. your logo yeah. on yeah. it for you. And they're they're happy to set it up in kind of like the Oculus for Business, where you you set it up uh, so that it only runs your software in like a kiosk mode or only runs a limited set of your software. So in a sense, it's competing against the business edition, which is of the quest is of a grant. It costs a grant, so right, and um, and it doesn't it doesn't cost anything for you to to do that on the the Pico. So correct, yes. essentially, it comes out cheaper if you're comparing. Right, right, right. I can see someone like Walmart upgrading from the Go to to something like this in the long run if it gives them that option. So I'm just happy so, to see a a piece of hardware that is a a legit solid competitor to the right. quest uh this this i mean there are spots where it's better and there's spots where it's worse but it is yep. it is a very credible competitor hardware wise i just wish there was a you know a store ecosystem to compete or a revive yeah yeah something. well speaking of the quest uh it was back in stock <laughs> until uh five minutes before we started recording this episode seems like they're both gone now but the link cable is in the store. So um, as of recording, at least you can get a link cable right now, but still waiting on those quests. Oh, well. yeah, it's a shame. There's one of those VR is dead articles where the guy <laughs> went to, to get a headset and they were out of the quest. So he got the go and was like, oh, well, oh. this, you know, VR sucks because the go is, is terrible. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to tell me he w- he went to go get a headset and there were none. And he's like, well, obviously, if they're not on the shelves, VR must be dead. Right. And I was going to, oh, man, D- just yeah. these articles of VR being dead and, and all this is just, it's an ongoing thing. They've been saying it's dead for the last three years as it continues to grow and grow and grow yeah. and grow. So yeah, They love that clickbait. They do. Yeah, gotta love yeah. it. But, uh, so, Adobe. Yes. Something going on there. Their, their duly noted uh, software demonstration. It's a really cool concept. It's uh, using AR to overlay notes and highlights on uh, an existing physical text. So, for example, for a textbook, uh, yeah. being able to, to overlay them so that when you're looking at it, you can see notes popping up around things. Um, Interesting. Definitely an intriguing uh, direction to go. Anybody have thoughts on it? I mean, I'd love to see it being used in schools where, you know, you could add, you could refresh older, like older textbooks where, I mean, like in high school, like how many high schools have textbooks that are five plus years old? Right. And, you know, I I know teachers. Only five? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sorry. Bougie school, whatever. But, you know. I don't remember how old our textbooks were. They were pretty old when I was in high school. But the point being, you know, every high school kid has a has a phone nowadays. And so and they're all carrying their books around. So, you know, if you've got a book that is five plus years old as a school district and then Adobe can turn around and, and offer this or even the, the you know, if the um, 
if the teachers can offer this and upload it to some sort of centralized database, I'm not sure how the technology is working or is going to work. But, you know, if you can be able to go in and add annotations and enhancements to it, like, um, you know, say there's a correction that needs to be made and, you know, the student can say check chapter four or whatever. They can pull up, you know, an app and it tells them where there's content to be held and you just pull up the page and it's saying one thing and then you you know, point your phone at it and all of a sudden you've got more information or, you know, for everybody learns differently, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to read chapter four, or I can point my phone at this page and it'll pull up a video that kind of gives me the, the basics of what I'm supposed to be learning. So I'd love to see it being used in, in the school systems to, to enhance that more so than just, you know, your, your fantasy or your nonfiction books that, that everyone can use. I think reference and, and textbooks are, are probably good uses. Although, I think both reference and textbooks are trending heavily in an ebook direction. So, uh, yeah, that's that's just what I was thinking. A lot of yeah. those features are already built in on the 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 ebook side, are these websites that manage the whole course. You know, the content, right. the, the the assignments, the test. Well, from a co- like at college level, absolutely. Pearson's got a lock on that, and uh, what's the I'm trying to remember the other company that they they McGraw. just yeah, yeah some Mick, of those mix something. McGraw, um, yeah. They, yeah, they they dominate the the college level, but I, you know, I don't remember. At least, granted, it's been a while since I've been in high school, but uh, <laughs> we didn't have you know much in the way of online uh, resources that we were using. I mean, we had the textbooks, and you had your in class material. I think there's concerns about access. You know, not everybody yeah. having a PC. Although, a right. lot of school districts, including you know the the school district that. Uh, we're zoned to have have mm-hmm. shifted to handing out Chromebooks to every right. every kid. For yeah, the my school district of the school offered year. the same with the pandemic, but right. that's my point of if you're talking about like high school level, <clears throat> almost every kid out there I feel like has who who's like 15 has has a phone, even if it's not the best phone out there. You know, almost all of them nowadays have phones, and that's an accessibility that is just there. They don't, they don't have to tap into it or they don't have to add any additional layers on top of it. They don't right. have to do anything else. They just, here's the app you're going to need, download it and do this. And almost all of them will have access to it. And you don't have to make it a part of a, like a required part, but it's it's certainly an enhancement that's available. It's it's neat, but I mean, it's, it just feels, here's the thing. I love paper books. I love solid, real objects. Uh, so, I mean... It appeals to me strongly. I like the idea very right. much, but it also feels like adding hyperlinks to vinyl. I mean, it's like okay, <laughs> you're, you're taking a, a sort of a niche <laughs> old tech and slapping a, a layer of uh, new tech on top of it in a way that feels a little uh, forced. To push this out further down the line and and push the kind of the use of it out, I'd I'd like to see this uh, implemented in something like a, um, augmented reality glasses and kind of, you know, like a a Yelp or a Foursquare type deal where, you know, as you're out in the world and you come up to a place, then you can see the notes that people have left, uh, for, for that location. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I'd like to see that, like you said, Yelp or Foursquare, like that's a great thing, you know, in the future, when we get to where we have AR that's, that's accessible and, you know, a lot of people have it on them and it's sort of in glasses form. You know, I imagine being able to go to a restaurant, look at the menu and then like have a little icon next to each menu item and you can click on it and it pulls up a picture of the menu or a picture of the item. And then like you can just see the reviews for that particular thing. So that, or somebody says, hey, like the enchiladas list. are great. Like, sure. 
yeah, or ingredient list for people with allergies. You know, there there's so many ways to enhance the physical, um, and th- and this is a step in that direction. So I think it's fantastic. Absolutely, and then also kind of going along the whole uh, school thing and just enhancing what's what's already there. Uh, Google has a little beta out right now, where uh, in in certain searches that you do, mainly uh, anatomical or biological right now, um, like I just did mitochondria, and you scroll down a little bit, and they have view in 3D links. Yeah, those are cool. That, that you can pull up. Uh, but then if you have a kind of of a AR or uh, MR um, capable phone, after you're looking at it in 3D, there's another tab that pops up that says view in your space. And mm-hmm. then so it basically turns your, your phone into a little, you know, AR kind of window. Yeah, it's like uh, Snapchat had it for a little while. Oh, um, did it? actually, yeah, actually, if you have a if you have an Android phone, I don't think it's limited to the pixels. I think Samsungs and, and others do it. If you open up the camera app uh, on any Android phone, I believe, and you swipe over to the more section, there is a section called. Let me double check it while we're on here. Um, Playground that lets you sort of uh, put. AR models in your space and kind of play with them. Um, it's, it's oh, very similar yeah. to like the the Bitmoji, Memoji, Snapchat. Um, Apple has has one like that. The the I forget what they call them, but uh, yeah, it, it's very similar. And I like that it's integrated into Google. So like if you search, like you said, mitochondria, it drops it and you can you can view it in your space and you can scale it. And uh, I don't. Does it have animations built into it? Or is it just the model kind of there? Um, I, I'm I'm guessing some may have animations built into them. I know the uh, ones in your I, camera I app do. Like I I don't see why it wouldn't be a, a huge deal to add animations. Um, I'm guessing yeah. for the most part you're just looking at static stuff anyway. Right. But. Like around the time of the last Star Wars movie, um, not the most recent one, but uh, the the last, not the last Jedi. Yeah, last. I don't remember, whatever there. Uh, the previous to last one, episode eight, um, they had, uh, you could like drop in droids and porgs and things like that. And they were mm-hmm. animated and they had sounds and stuff like that. So it's it's them expanding upon that and building it into the search, which I think is really cool. But but yeah, exactly. And I, I just love how they're implementing that. Right. And in, in kind of into the daily thing that everybody kind of gets a hold of already right um but so personally i've actually been hearing uh, stories of more and more people actually getting their hands on on headsets uh i've got um two two posts recently or or people have mentioned to me that you know that that people have have gotten their hands on headsets uh, have any of y'all uh, heard heard anyone else actually getting their hands on headsets? I've had someone ask me about a headset uh, recently, asking you know what they should get, um, but not as of late. Not anybody on like my Facebook friends or anything like that. Generally, they they'll I'll be one of the first to hear because <laughs> they all know I'm I'm pretty deep into VR. So 
yeah yeah that's that's kind of the other thing too i know a decent number of people who got headsets uh for christmas yeah um, that, that was a big one right and i think it's just availability lately it's yes. you know some people have been getting getting them people who've been trying for a while but if it's just kind of a spur of the moment uh you know like oh i'll try vr i don't think we're getting a lot of those just because people aren't uh you know frivolously spending as much as 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 before with everything you know the uncertainty going on and um just availability too i I can tell you a lot of people are buying headsets yeah oh no i i don't doubt that a lot of people are buying headsets it's just a matter of getting them now like like we've said with the quest last few times we've mentioned it on this podcast you know the quest was in and then immediately out of stock it would have been really interesting to see what the uptake would have been in 2020 without right. COVID. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there was the, the quest was selling as fast as they could make it. They were talking mm-hmm. about doing this sort of a, a quest S refresh. Um, so, I mean, it's unfortunate that it's been supply constrained, but right. the, the virus has definitely made people more interested in uh remote collaboration, remote learning, or virtual tourism, really just being able to feel like you're getting out of the house when you're trapped in the house. So right. uh, it may end up being a long-term positive for VR. I've yeah, heard of it, a big push coming um, from the Asian market over here to the U.S. for the Pico. Yeah, That that, that should be kicking up here pretty soon uh, for the headsets as well as the, the e-commerce marketplace. Right. Well, I can, I can definitely say that, you know, having conversations with people about vr that i haven't had haven't talked to them before about it you know they don't automatically assume i'm talking about lawnmower man or something <laughs> right so <laughs> well, that's it, good it's definitely permeated the culture um to yeah. the point where we're seeing you know like uh, uh augmented reality in westworld and you know things like that there's there's uh there's just these little touch points everywhere that is making it so it's more normal yeah i mean they've been pushing hard on the like youtube ads and things like that like we mentioned before um so continuing the hardware track uh ted before we started you were you were talking about this uh vr hamster ball (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's pretty crazy just uh popped up but i guess it's a a different solution to the the cat work and the the omni treadmills where it's a Mm -hmm. like giant 10 foot um simulator ball that you go inside of and i guess the size makes it a little easier to to run in place where it's just kind of set up on a stand and now is this something old because i swear i saw something (laughs) many many years ago about what it essentially was was VR at the time, and and that was the one of the things that I remember seeing was this giant hamster ball that people could get <laughs> into, the, and and it made me think of uh, I forgot the name of the the game, but uh, in American Gladiators, there was a version. Uh, w- w- one of one of the the challenges they did was you know the the. The players would be in these big, huge hamster balls and stuff, and run around, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's what it made me think of. But yeah, but... it looks like they've been around at least since, uh, or they were around in 2013. So yeah, definitely could have seen it a while ago. Yeah, okay. there's a video on YouTube with 350,000 views of them in 2009 doing a 
wireless VR nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. And and that was the other like obviously you're inside of this giant cage. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to get the wires in there. Right, so this right. was the computer was sitting right outside the the ball mm-hmm. and it ju- it was streaming everything into a little headset that yeah. the, the user was wearing. I would so and, I'm curious if this was the the impetus for the VR hamster balls in Ready Player One. At, uh, near the end because i still maintain that that's that's a pretty good uh option as far as vr locomotion goes so i, I definitely want to try, try this thing. The, the only thing i could see where it might uh trip you up is if you get some momentum going and then try to stop something and then try and, and stop and, yeah. and, and that, that's that's what the major downfall of it was right yeah, just woo 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 <laughs> <laughs> looney tunes style bodily harm yeah but i definitely would love to try it because uh right. It's it's a neat idea. Of course, it's it's something that's even less likely to be a good fit in your living room, but uh, for location based stuff, it could <laughs> or, be a really interesting choice. Or right. if somebody puts like a motorized wheel on the outside and there turns you go. it on. Oh, God. <laughs> there's your there's your treadmill. That's premeditated premeditated <laughs> murder right there. But... So uh, somebody had mentioned before the Polygon HQ. Yeah, that's the uh, full body tracking system. Uh, okay. Looks like as as far as a uh, full body tracking goes, you know, there's there's usually like some weird kind of um, <laughs> off putting stuff going on, or or uh, or what's called uncanny valley kind mm-hmm. of in the the model that you get. But this one right. is is almost a one to one recreation of of the body movements. It's one nice. one of the best ones that I've seen so far. It's using what five tracking pucks. Yes, and it requires you to use their gloves as well. But the, you have yeah. a tracking puck on each foot. You have a tracking puck on your waist, and then um, one on each hand. And that's okay. that's definitely enough points to to do high quality body tracking. And I mean, I've I've definitely seen some truly awful IK, you know, inverse kinematics in my time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm excited about better quality body tracking. Um, right. But I mean, for for consumer purposes, I, I think we're going to have to go optical or depth sensor or something because just the idea of strapping five sensors on on somebody is not going to be a popular choice. That just, and the cost alone, because the trackers smoke. are still a hundred dollars. Hundred bucks a piece. pop. So that's that's five hundred yeah. just for the trackers plus the gloves plus the software. I'm sure. Right. Yeah, and it's got kind of built-in integration with Unity and Unreal. So this would be like you know a game development team mm-hmm. going in and doing sure. their own mocap. Right, that's what That's I was gonna true. say. Something yeah. like mocap. Um, I mean, there are other there are other solutions out there like PryoVR and yeah. some others that are doing full body mocap. So it could be it could be a, a an affordable solution for for an indie developer to do some some decent motion capture without breaking the bank. Exactly. Yeah, because I think the next one up is um, at this this level of of detail is twice the price. Right. And okay. and this is actually using all uh, valve trackers, right? It's, yes. it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the promo so, pictures have the index in it. So yeah, they'll they'll be using um, they'll be supporting multiple different types of tracking uh, right. here soon. Okay, cool. Yeah, so right. so so they're m- more on software of of IK, not not the tracking or not not the hardware used in the tracking. Well, it sounds like the gloves are their own, right? Yeah, yeah, they're mm, gloves. Yeah, the gloves. I forgot about those. The gloves are their own, but they also use the the puck trackers for the gloves currently. Um, 
I believe there will be more news forthcoming. Oh, very cool. Now, for certain uh, training applications and things, I could see it being a, a good solution. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very solid platform, and uh, like Ted said, it's very accurate for the price point, and especially if you're already looking to invest in gloves and your enterprise or education or things like that, it makes sense to have a full uh, presence, especially if you're and, recording. And I'm. And I'm seeing more uh, mocap services pop up here and there. So it'd be interesting to see if, if any of them would be uh, looking towards this as, a, as an option to, to provide that kind of service for, for other developers. Right. And uh, if I remember right, um, basically going with their like full package of, of all the, the trackers and like their, their high-end gloves, I think it was about 5,000, but I... I I don't quite remember on that. Yeah, you, you have to uh, apply for a quote. It's just, you know, the enterprise grade market. They they tend to custom fit packages for each customer's specific needs. Well, there was, there was two cool more news things I wanted to slip in. One was that uh, if you play No Man's Sky and enjoy that in VR, you will soon, or as, as of listening to this podcast, you will have the ability to do cross-play with nice. people playing PSVR, uh, No Man's Sky. And then uh, if any of you guys um, have tested out uh, Wave, the, the mm -hmm. social VR music platform, they just got a new round of funding. So they should be doing some really cool new concerts with um, headline uh, uh, bands and names that um, you know globally recognized in VR. Cool. Yeah, no, we definitely know the way the guys over there at the Wave. So yeah, that's that's they're good folks, and we're and big congratulations to them on that uh, on that score. Yeah, I checked out one of their recent events, so it's it pretty neat. They've got they've got some cool environments going on in there now. Some cool stuff. And then, that, well, that's kind of interesting with the uh, with No Man's Sky. Was it was it that uh, VR couldn't crossplay, but like. PC, regular PC and console, 2D could? My understanding of it previously was you could play on PC in VR with PC players that were not VR. You could okay, not yeah. play cross-platform with PlayStation players on any mode. So you I couldn't... Gotcha. You, there was no PC PlayStation cross-play. Now it looks like they're opening up full cross-platform play altogether, which is a trend from the gaming side of things, is a trend mm -hmm. that PlayStation is finally creeping into. They've, they've been the worst about cross-platform for the long, 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 long time, to the point where Microsoft actually used it against them in this, in this most recent generation. They were like, well, we, we're fine with cross-platform play. Sony just doesn't like it, and they kind of forced their hands because a lot of games. I think Rocket League was one of the the big ones. It was one of the first ones to get it. They they kind of forced their hand, and they were like, oh, "Okay, fine, we'll do cross platform play, I guess." Uh, so yeah, no, they're they're finally they're finally um, going across that that bridge there. So hopefully, in the future, we'll see more cross platform. It won't really matter what you're playing it on; you can play with your friends. I I, I gotta say. Uh... From what I remember, though, 
Sony was actually the very first company to have cross-platform. If I remember right, it was Final Fantasy XI, their MMO. Um, yep. PlayStation 2 right. could play with uh, PC. Oh, no, this absolutely. This was back in 2000. Yeah. Something. EverQuest uh, Legends of Norath or something oh, like God. that. They had, like, you could play PC, I think. You just you just dated yourself. Uh, Josh, just so you're, <laughs> I don't care. So you're aware, but no, I mean there have been cross platform in the past, but it it was here and there, spotty spotty at best, and uh, Microsoft really leaned into that in the last console iteration. So they were able to say, okay, well now you know now it's not us, it's it's Sony that's the problem, and so that's a bunch of gaming politics. But with that being said, thank you guys for listening. And we will see you on the next episode. See you next time. Stay safe. See you, everyone. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Virtually Relevant. If you liked it, please consider rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcast app. Helps bring us up in the charts and makes us easier to find. If you'd like to support Houston VR and this podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash Houston VR. Until next time, thanks for listening.